What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the High Tempo Fast Break. And it is 2024, a.k.a. the best year in Detroit Lions history. As for the first time in the Super Bowl era, the Lions have won multiple playoff games in the same postseason. They have won twice as many playoff games this postseason than they had in their entire history. What a time to be alive for the Lions fans. As we defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-23 in the divisional round, moving on to the NFC Championship, only their second NFC Championship appearance in franchise history, the first coming in the 1991-1992 season against the then-Washington Redskins, the same season that they won their only playoff game in franchise history. Wow. I mean, this is to say that they are part of the final four teams left in football with three elite other teams in the Kansas City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens, and obviously the San Francisco 49ers, who they will be taking on. Incredible. This is not going to be an incredibly long episode. I kind of, this is like an emergency pod, you know, or whatever, um, because I think I'm going to do like a full breakdown of picking how the Lions can beat the 49ers and picking the AFC game as well with a guest or two. Not sure who it's going to be yet, but I wanted to just record this talking about my reaction to the Lions game. I'm recording this Monday night. I did not have enough time last night and or this morning throughout the day to record. So this is going to be coming out a little bit later than I would have liked it to. But either way, the Lions win in a game where Jared Goff once again has a masterclass in the playoffs. Jared Goff has been on such a roll lately and I understand that there's, you know, we we always have to have this conversation about what is the future like? Is Jared Groff the bridge quarterback? Is he, can he t- elevate a team to the next level? He's built for a perfect situation. Well, all that can probably be put on pause because he took the team to the NFC Championship. I have a, I have a strong feeling, just a, just a hint here that the Lions are going to pay Jared Goff. I mean, come on, how can you not? After what has happened, I, I I do understand if you still are in the field of like, uh, but also there's just not, I, I keep talking about this. There's just not a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL. There's like five or six of them. And to have a guy in that next tier of like solid QBs, there's also not an incredible amount of those guys. And I think Jared Goff is one of those guys. So we kind of have to just keep it as what it is right now, because guess what? It's working But I want to talk about uh, what Dan Campbell said about Jared Goff because Jared Goff um, was doing early in this season was kind of doing something that we weren't really used to as Lions fans. And he was like turning the ball over a little bit, which was something that we didn't. That was like one of his strengths, you know, where he was really going like he wasn't turning the ball over, basically. And he said something about how. Dan Campbell did in the press conference before the Rams game, how Goff has been really locked in. He really has turned his game up a notch in the last, I think he said in the last like five or six weeks. So that would have been, you know, the last five, six weeks of the season or whatever. I think you could even go before that. Um, you know, he, he has only thrown two interceptions in their last six games, which both of those came in the Dallas Cowboys game, which were very unfortunate. We still barely lost that one. Um, even before that, he threw two in the game against Chicago, didn't have any up until the previous Chicago game, but he was having some mistakes for a while there. And Dan Campbell talks about how he noticed just a, a switch in Jared Goff. Not that he was playing bad and started playing good, 
but he really stepped his game up a notch, a.k.a. we're getting ready for the playoffs, and we need to go in hot. And that's exactly what he done. I have a stat for you. This is what Dan Campbell is talking about. Because in the fourth quarter, we all know the Lions have been really bad in the third quarter this year. But in the fourth quarter, Jared Goff and the Lions have taken care of business. Since week 10, including these last two playoff games, got this stat from uh, Up and Adams, K. Adams Show on FanDuel TV. Jared Goff's fourth quarter stats since week 10. First in pass yards per game in with 92.7 of those coming in the fourth quarter. That's first of all quarterbacks. First in completion percentage in the fourth quarter at 74%. Tied for first in total fourth quarter passing touchdowns with seven. And first in passer rating at 113.7. So Jared Goff has just been the be- the most clutch player in all of the NFL in the second half of the season. And that is what Dan Campbell's talking about. You might say, oh, I mean, I feel like he's still, you know, we started off the year well. You know, how can you say he's flipped a switch when we've kind of started to not fall off? But, you know, I mean, they had some scarier games towards the second half of the season than they did in the beginning. And that is because I think of the way that they are closing games. They have done such a great job in this Rams game and in this Tampa Bay Buccaneers game where, oh, it was not looking good to start the second half. You know, the Lions come out. Baker Mayfield pushes it down the field, gets him into field goal range. Luckily, Aiden Hutchinson steps up and gets the sack to take him out of field goal range. Then the Lions go three and out. It's like, oh, man, like they're just probably, probably going to drive down the field again. No. We get into the fourth quarter, and the Lions do what they got to do and apply pressure to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We don't settle for field goals. We get in the touchdown. We get in the end zone, I mean. Jameer Gibbs stepping up with that huge touchdown run. Amon Ross St. Brown had a big fourth quarter. That fade route was such a good throw from Goff and such a great catch from Amon Ra. So this has this has been such a run here. And I think that we are officially at the point, at least me personally. If you're if you're one of those people that's like, oh, the goal should be to win the whole thing and, and anything less of that is a failure, then sure, you also probably are like a pretty miserable person in life, I would assume. Um I, I understand, you know, winning is winning is important. But we're at the point where this Lions season cannot be a failure. It cannot be a disappointment. We are in the NFC Championship game for the second time in franchise history. I do think that even though we broke the playoff streak, losing that game to Tampa Bay at home, that would have been that would have felt like a like a oh man, like we really should have won that game. I don't want to say disappointment because we still had such a great season, you know? But just from a game-to-game standpoint, us versus the Bucks, like, we just should have beat them, you know, and that would have really stung if we didn't. We're at the point now where we are the clear worst team left in the playoffs. I don't want to say worst team, but according to the sports book, we are by far the worst team less left as you take a look at the uh, odds to win the whole thing, and it does not look great for the Lions. I'll definitely tell you that. Right now, the San Francisco 49ers who they are playing, are the current favorites to win the Super Bowl at plus 145. The Baltimore Ravens, who are the best team in the NFL this year, mollywopped the San Francisco 49ers a few weeks ago, are at plus 175. The Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City Chiefs are at plus 440. Incredible value for a Patrick Mahomes-led team. And then the Detroit Lions fall in fourth at plus 700 odds, which... I don't know if I want to get in on. I probably should, right? 
Like, I already bet on them to beat the 49ers. And obviously, their odds are going to be much lower if they beat the 49ers and go to the Super Bowl. Like, they're still going to be, if they play the Ravens, like, they're probably going to be plus two-something. But it's way better than plus 700. So, maybe I should bet on that if I really think that they're going to go. We'll see. It'll it'll probably change uh, throughout. Also, Super Bowl MVP, Jared Goff, plus 1,100. Like, who else would win the MVP if it's not Jared Goff? Jameer Gibbs? St. Brown is next. the next line at plus 8,000. So, I don't know. I mean, I think that the Jared Goff's odds to be Super Bowl MVP should be the same as the Lions' odds to win, right? Isn't that how that should work? Like, Lamar Jackson is plus 210, but the Ravens are plus 175. I feel like you just would rather bet on Lamar Jackson to win the Super Bowl MVP than to bet on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl, right? I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel. You can't parlay them either. I was actually just checking that. Um, yeah, now I got myself second guessing. Like, the 49ers is a weird one, obviously, because who's, who would win it for them? You know, like, it, it, whoever goes off. Like, probably McCaffrey, I would assume. But Purdy has better odds than McCaffrey. And you never know. It could be one of those Kittle games. It could be an IU game. It could be a Debo game. So that team definitely is a bit more understandable as to, like, who's going to win the Super Bowl MVP. Also, they have odds set for any potential matchup in the Super Bowl. This is what I don't understand, right? How are you giving the Lions? What is it now? What is the current odds? Because obviously they have moved a bit since the since the open. Okay, so right now in the current uh, sports book I'm looking at, not going to say because I'm not sponsored. So why would I give you out free promo? The Lions are seven-point underdogs. They opened at seven and a half. I think on some books it has moved to six and a half. The one that I'm currently looking at is six and a half. I personally don't get how you can give the Lions seven and a half points. After, I get it, like the Niners are better. I'm not saying the Lions should be favored to win. But the the Niners just almost lost to the Packers, bro. At home. In a game that like the Packers should have won, if we're being completely honest. I get that Debo got hurt, but like it's just what happened in the game. Like the Packers should have won. And then the Lions have covered in wins in both of their playoff wins. Win plus covered in both of them. So how seven points? Like, are we oh man, like I if I was a non-Lions fan, I would like to believe. That as a educated sports line reader, I would be all over Lions plus seven. And it kind of makes me scared as a Lions fan because Vegas is typically right. Now, they haven't been right for the most part. Like, Vegas needed the Bucks to win against the Lions. They needed the Bucks to cover. They also needed uh, San Fran to cover against Green Bay. A lot of people were were in on San Fran. Um, or wait, no, no. That means that they were they were correct. But for the Lions' sake, they've needed the Lions. They need the Lions to lose against Tampa Bay, and it didn't happen. So they're not always right, but it's just a little bit scary. Lions Ravens Super Bowl odds. Uh, Lions are plus four and a half, and Lions Chiefs Super Bowl odds. Lions are plus three. I mean, are you kidding me? Plus four and a half against the Ravens. That it, that should be the line for the Niners game, and seven and a half should be the line for the potential Lions Ravens game. But we'll see what happens. Either way, what a game from the Lions. Derek Barnes with the game ceiling interception to give the Lions the dub. First interception of his career, which is totally awesome. Uh, he he had a great little post game speech there. So many guys stepped up. I think that Aaron Glenn. This was such he he has really coached up two 
phenomenal defensive game plans in this playoffs. And I'm sick of the people that are saying that fire Aaron Glenn still. Why is that still a thing? He is clearly very well respected across the NFL. He's gotten a lot of NFL head coaching opportunities. He got a lot last year too when they were not even a great they were one of the worst defenses in all the NFL. I think that his I talked about this already a little bit on uh on a podcast. So I don't want to like reiterate it too much because it's going to be a lot of the same stuff. But Aaron Glenn chose something for this team to be good at. We're going to allow you to have those big plays, but get in the red zone, it's going to be tough. We're going to stop the run, which the Bucks were, I think they were 3-for-3 three three in the red zone, actually, in that game. So that's a little bit unfortunate. But, like, you can't account for Cam Sutton to just get torched on Mike Evans. Now, you can try to not have him one-on-one as much, and they didn't really that much. I think Baker Mayfield just did a really good job of taking advantage of when he saw that opportunity. I mean, basically every time it was a one-on-one Sutton on Mike Evans, that ball was going his way. So I think Baker and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a great game plan as far as that because Aaron Glenn didn't draw up a lot of opportunities like that. But when you're blitzing from the edge with the corners and safeties as much as they did in this game, you're going to have some one-on-one man coverage. And I think that is where Aaron Glenn shined here. The Ever since Ifatu Malafanwu got like really inserted into the lineup, became a, a cru- crucial part, that's to me when this Lions defense flipped a switch. And I don't pay for PFF, so I can't necessarily see the numbers there. There's probably some way I could find it. Um, I just wish I didn't have to pay for PFF because it is nice. It really is nice to look at it. But that, to me, is when this defense really flipped a switch. Like, oh, we have a weapon here. This is something that we can really use to our advantage. And it has. And him and Branch with the combination of them coming off of the edge in in sometimes even, like, designed sneak blitzes. Like, these aren't even... They're, they're not even... They don't even look like blitzes. And they do a great job of disguising these because you have them lined up straight across from a receiver and they take a step back and then launch themselves in and they're kind of hiding behind the edge rusher that's coming in. So it's tough for the extra offensive lineman to see. It's tough for the running back in the backfield to get there in time. And it's obviously tough on the quarterback to see. So I thought Aaron Glenn did a great job with the blitz call with the blitz calls. I mean, they were just doing it all day and it helped, you know, that final interception on that Derek Barnes got was because Baker Mayfield was under pressure. I think Aiden Hutchinson did a great job in his one-on-one matchups. I think he, he only had one sack in this game, but I mean, he was back there an incredible amount. But like the real MVP, I think, and trust me, Derek Barnes deserved the game ball, not, not taking it away from him. But like Dan Campbell probably should have given out two game balls today because Frank Ragnow deserved himself. That, that, that was career game for Frank Ragnow. And Vita Vea had a great game. But Vita Vea has been one of, if not the most important defensive players in the NFL the second half of the season. The Bucs were like the best run defending team that second half of the year. They had they didn't allow a rushing touchdown in five straight games. And one of the games they played against Philly. Philly gets hella rushing touchdowns. So Vita Vea has been, and he is the anchor to that. And he did a good, you know, like when Vea was moving, uh, especially after Jonah Jackson went out and it was against Coyote, um, Vea, I, I did see the stats on their matchups. Vita Vea beat him like four out of four times, four out of five times that they were matched up one-on-one, um, which is obviously a tough matchup for Coyote as coming as a backup offensive lineman going up against one of the top interior guys in the entire NFL. But Frank Ragnow playing on 
What we just found out is a sprained left knee and a sprained left ankle. Same leg. One, some of the most important one-on-one matchups with Vita Vea, especially that fourth and goal on the one-yard line where Craig Reynolds comes in and gets the touchdown. Whew. Interesting. Also, we do need to, like, I hate being the guy that's the what are we doing fan. I, I've repeated that many times on this podcast. Like, that is my least favorite type of Lions fan. Like, you, you're sitting on the couch there on the sideline. So, I don't want to hear you questioning, a, a, you know, a certain play call or whatever. But low-key, I was kind of that guy on second and goal from the one and a half or whatever, and they don't even have a running back lineup in the backfield. Like, okay, well, like, actually, what are we doing, you know? Because you need to at least pose the threat of running, right? At least have a guy back there. Then on third and goal, they do. They run play action and throw it to Laporta. And, like, I didn't hate the play call. Run that on second down, though. You know, like, we let's just punch it again. We had... Second and goal from the one. I mean, just run it three times. Like, I get this is a great run defense, but I think we can get one yard in three tries, right? Uh, but so that was the one time where I was like, okay, Ben Johnson, like you're. I think you're trying to go a little bit too deep into the bag here. Let's get back to the to what we're good at, and that is pounding the run. Even though this Tampa defense was great at it, uh, but yeah, Ragnow. I mean, just absolutely bald. Staying in this game was so important. You lose him as well as Jonah Jackson. And things get really scary uh, in this game because it, that first injury came early. I think it was really early in the second half, I believe, is right when he gets injured on the knee. And then on that Craig Reynolds touchdown, he gets injured again. And I believe that is when the ankle got injured. So it was a a dog fighting performance out of Frank Ragnow. And we are going to be without Jonah Jackson uh, with the meniscus, slight meniscus tear is what they said. They said there's a chance that he's going to be back in... Um, for the Super Bowl if we go, which is kind of crazy. I know that like a meniscus, slight meniscus tear isn't like the craziest thing in the world, but to miss only one week would be is definitely crazy. Could be Jonah Jackson's last game as a Lion. He is a free agent this upcoming offseason. I feel like a team will probably overpay for him based off of his 2022. He was also a part of one of the best units in the entire NFL this year. Wasn't phenomenal this year for the Lions, but like I said, part of a great unit, former Pro Bowler. Uh, and I just think that some other team will value it a bit higher than we will. Also, when he's your fourth slash fifth, probably fifth best. I I would say Glasgow was probably better than him this year. When he's your fifth best best offensive lineman, I think you're okay with not overpaying him, you know? So, But it is unfortunate. Like, hopefully he, he can come back if we are to advance to the Super Bowl. Here's what Dan Campbell had to say about Frank Ragnow uh, today when they talked about his injury. He said, it's like, man, you may not be 100%, but if you feel like you can produce and you can win at 80% of yourself, that's what Frank does. He believes he can. He trusts himself, and he trusts those guys next to him. Safe to say that no matter what injury is going on, Frank Ragnow is going to freaking play. And I talked about this with my friends I was watching the game with, uh, or watching the second game with. I was like, what a game from Ragnow, and I can't believe he didn't like leave the game. But I am scared for tomorrow morning, MRIs, something bad is going to happen. Like, it's going to be something where he can't play, you know? And I would say this was something bad. I mean, a sprained knee and a sprained ankle, like, ugh, that is, that's not great news, but he's going to play. You know, I was was just hoping nothing was torn or anything, um, which is obviously would have been, like, absolute worst case scenario. But yeah, we, we really prevailed in this game. Like I said, the run game was it, it was not it was not great in this one. 
but Jameer Gibbs had that one drive, especially where he capped off with a touchdown where he really stepped up. We kind of brought it back. Montgomery had a a struggle of a game, but like I said, it's against a great run defensive unit. San Francisco 49ers have not been phenomenal against the run, especially uh, last week against Aaron Jones and the Green Bay Packers. They This season, they were a pretty good unit, but I don't know. I, I really do think that the Lions have a chance to beat the 49ers, like a solid chance. And either way, man, the Lions are in the NFC Championship game. They are in the Final Four. They are 60 whole minutes away from going to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. If you are a longtime OG listener of the podcast and listen to this earlier in the season, before we did any games, preseason predictions episode, me, Easton, Nate, and Willie, or <laughs> Nate and Willie are the same guy. Me, Easton, Willie, and Seth did our preseason predictions episode. Me and Willie made a live bet on the show that whoever wins more games this year, Lions or Steelers, loser has to buy him a jersey, which Obviously, that's already set in stone the Lions. We've talked about that. But me and Willie also made a separate bet during the Rams Super Bowl a couple years ago that whoever makes the Super Bowl first between the Lions and the Steelers, which at that time, people, crazy bet for me to make. Crazy bet for me to make. We were just coming off of 3-14-1 or whatever that was. 3-13-1. Whoever makes the Super Bowl first we decided that they owe him $100. We initially said they got to like buy him tickets to the Super Bowl or whatever. And it was just like, okay, what if it happens in the next couple of years? We're just not going to be financially in a, a point to go there. Which, obviously, if that happens this year, we are not. So I could be winning two bets from Willie this this week. Which would be, it's just go to the Super Bowl. It's not to win. The Lions win this week. Willie owes me 100 plus a jersey. And the Lions are getting new jerseys next year, so I will absolutely take it. Um, it is like the worst time ever to be, I don't know, it's worst and best time ever for the Lions to have their best season because I'm a college student. So like that is, it's the best time from like a party standpoint, I guess. Like, oh my God, I can get so hype that the Lions are winning, like stay up late, freak out, like whatever. I guess <laughs> that's a standpoint you could take. But I'm just so broke, dude. Like, I want to, oh, I just wanted to go to either one of those games, and I didn't, and I feel like I'm going to regret it. But also, because here's here's something that I have talked about with some friends as well. Last night after the game, I was like, man, I can't take this for granted. Like, I cannot sit here and get too worked up about this 49ers game. I have to just realize, like, the Lions have won twice as many playoff games this year they had won ever in their history. Like, I can't take this moment for granted. This is this is one of the best moments, and it could not happen for th- another 30 years. But also, what if it just happens again next year or the year after that? What if this is the start? Like, I'm not trying to – I'm not getting my hopes up or whatever. Like, I am a Lions fan. I have to realize, like, my – the ceiling has to be capped, but why does it anymore? This is This is different, man. What if this is the start of something new? The Chiefs had to start their dynasty somewhere. You know? I don't know, man. I'm just... That is... That's kind of where I'm at with everything. Like I said, this was not going to be very long. I just wanted to do a quick little... My reaction to the Lions winning. I couldn't believe it. Watched the game with my dad. Um, and I was really happy to do that. Watched it with a couple other family members. And it was just... Phenomenal. I, I couldn't believe... That they won. 
I just, I, it, it's, and I really still can't believe that they're in the NFC chip. Like it's just such a incredible moment. Um, and, and they're being, like I said, not a lot of people are, are on board with the lions moving on. And I don't want to talk too much about the 49ers game. Cause like I said, I want to do a full breakdown of the both championship games coming, uh, later this week slash this weekend. So be on the lookout for that. And like, if the Lions play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, dude, they're winning. That's all I'm going to say. So we got we got to win this week, and then we are Chiefs fans. Chiefs play before the Ravens, right? As much as I, like if, if I knew the Lions were going to lose to the 49ers, I would want the Ravens to win. Because I, I would like, like I'm rooting for Lamar and the Ravens if of any other team except for the Lions. But as far as who I would, you know, who do the Lions have a best shot against? Obviously, it's the Chiefs. We beat them earlier this year. And guess who we didn't beat earlier this year? The Ravens. And it was bad. I know that was week one, Chiefs. That'd be really cool, though. Week one, first game of the year, Lions-Chiefs end it the same way it started with a dub. That would be awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Go Lions. One pride, all grit. Also, you can go to Ford Field and watch the game for a watch party this Sunday if you're interested. It's like $20 to get in. Pretty cool. All right, I'm out. Peace.